coach standpoint, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get up. We're going to shower. We're going to brush our teeth. We're going to do it. We're going to, we can do this. I didn't have a clue how we were going to do it, you know, but that's all I knew to try to do was try to coach our way out of it. You know what I'm saying? Because knowing that when you guys would go to school, I was still off from work on bereavement and I, I would stand in the window and I would watch you guys walk or however you guys, we guys were going to school and I would watch and I would probably stand there. When it came, came close to you guys coming home, I would stand back in the window again. I would have my phone like everywhere I go because I'm waiting for the school to call. Because it was time when you guys didn't want to stay all day. I don't want to. Stay. I have, and you guys didn't haven't told the days when you guys would come home, because you told Katie, you told the story about how you knew I wasn't coming to pick you up. Because there I, there would be a few times where I would just go to the nurse. I was like, I literally wouldn't want to. I would. There would be days where I would maybe feel sick. Just like to my stomach, yeah, because of the newfound anxiety or whatever stress, yeah. And then there'd be days that'd be fine, but it's like I, I, I don't want to be here. But, but the interesting thing about it, you guys have left out the days when I had to come pick you up. Because you, because that just for those reasons, he's crying a lot. We need to send. He he can't. He won't stay. You wouldn't stay in class. And so when you picked up on that part where you knew I wasn't coming, you knew Shane wasn't coming, mm-hmm. those were the days when it was six, eight, nine months later when I was like, look, guys, we got to stay in class. I cannot continue to come and get you. You've got to stay there. So it became those moments where the stake was in the ground because we had to try to put it together. Sucking as it did, we had to put it. And trust me, it wasn't like I wanted to. I didn't Mm -hmm. have any choice. Because truancy, the T word you were looking for, that was becoming an issue. Because school only allows you to have so much bereavement time, right? Mm -hmm. Before Before you start becoming truant. And that was a thing. So, yeah, it was, and I would wait. And I would wait for the school to call and I would wonder who would need me and I would not want to be far from you guys because I'm waiting for somebody to call me. I'm waiting for somebody to say they needed something. Um, when I would go to the stores, right, to get our groceries, when Shane was in, we would all mostly go together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you guys remember going to the stores. I was always traumatized going to a supermarket because I had a four-year-old Jackson was in, he was, I mean, he was walking, yeah, but he's a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then six, seven, or six, what, eight and nine? At that point, everybody was turning ages, right? So you were, you know, seven, turning eight, eight, six, turning seven, whatever. So it became, okay, I got to make sure everybody, I mean, because you guys were kids. You might pick this stuff up and let's go play that. And you could eat, we, you were You're kids. about Lunchables and chips. Lunchables and chips and walking through the store and want to touch things and jumping on the squares and jumping on the squares. Literally and finding anything to entertain us because we're at the supermarket and we're not supposed to touch anything. Right. And it became can I get through the store and make it back to the house in one without losing anybody? And without losing it in the store, meaning me. Mm-hmm. That was that became the thing. So that's why, so to me, that, and I tell my side of, from a parent view, that was, that was big 
to have made it to the store. And we finally got to the point where even before Shane went to college, when I would go to the stores, do you guys remember when I let would leave the house? Um, not a whole lot. I remember when we were talking earlier, you said we would call you a lot, but I don't remember. I don't remember a whole lot about calling you. Calls, text messages. I would get to the store, pull up. Well, if I was got made, if I was able to go somewhere by myself, it was. You making the store yet? How, are you, how long are you gonna be? You coming home? You okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, just make sure. Call us when you're on your way. And that was that was that went on for almost three years, at least. I think just coming back to me now, I remember like Evan would ask me a lot, "When's Dad coming back?" Mm-hmm. or "Where's Dad?" or I was like, "I I don't know. I guess I'll I'll call him real quick and ask him." And I mean, yeah. I'm sure he'll be back soon. He's just going to the store. Yeah, that kind of like calling you and like checking where you are and all that kinds of stuff it's to me that's like even now i still have those because i i constantly like think what would happen if dad dad it's just really hard to think about because if if you were gone i wouldn't know what else we were supposed to do We're gonna shut your mic off real quick. I'm kidding. We're messing. <laughs> but the but the the truth is, we teach this right. We have to learn what is next, how to feed yourselves, right? How to cook, how to clean. That's why when you I taught Shane how to iron early, well before Mom was sick, she taught mm-hmm. him how to iron. Then each one of you all had to teach each other how to iron. Shane taught you. You taught Ryan. Ryan taught. Evan and so on because we learned, had to learn how to wash we had to learn how to clean we had to learn to pick up our trash you know what I'm saying we had to because I couldn't do it by myself for that reason but I couldn't go all around and tell you guys oh well, I'm not going to always be around because we had already dealt we're dealing with that mm-hmm. but it was for that reason and granted yeah if something were to happen to me at this moment before the end of the recording there would be, you know, there would be an issue, right? Because we don't, we don't have a process in place, right? We have some people that we believe that would try to step in. It would be an interesting stepage. Legally, wouldn't it be since G Mama G that are godparents, they would take custody? There's no legal precedence for that. Really? No, you can say, you know, because you were deemed godparents. Because some of you have godparents that I wouldn't want. 50 feet from you. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want 10 feet from you to be on the for real. And I'm, I, I say it tongue in cheek and being flippant right now. I would come back from my grave if some of these people who are your godparents even stepped up and tried to step up because they don't step up now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want, there's, there's people unfortunately that were around you all then who are not around us now who need to not be around us because they're toxic to us. Mm-hmm. That's why they're not here. Okay. Now, granted, now people can change. I get it. And, and everybody needs to be given their opportunity to change. But until they make that change known, I don't want them anywhere around us. Okay. Just to make sure we're real clear on that. But if something were to happen to me, 
that would be a matter for the courts to decide. For those of you who are under 18, who would have the best, you know, solution for you all to stay with? And that would have be something that the courts would decide. But we're not even going to speak that into existence. But in in no matter what happens to me, older, young, whatever, the Lord's going to have you all taken care of regardless, right? You wouldn't be living under a bridge, you know. You still have your Social Security. I have a life insurance policy that that will pay out until I think I'm 65. If I die before 65, it kicks out pretty well. You guys would be taken care of financially, right? Um, even in Lord willing, allows me to live beyond 65. We'll re- redo the policy so it extends to the rest of my life, right? But still, the framework is something we talk about legacy building. Raising man is something we talk about legacy building. Um, these are the things that you all will be able to build and put in place to be able to continue to make revenue and make a difference in the world, whether or not I'm here or not. And whether and then as you all get older, whether you all are here or not, and so on and so on. Those are some of the reasons why raising men in the framework is so important. The remnant media as a, as a network. And I'm not saying that I'm compelling you all to do these things and you don't want to do them. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that you have a means to do things and the Lord continues to bless them to make revenue for you that would allow you to extend the things that you really would want to do. Mm. So I'm not saying that this has become this ball and chain for you, but what I would, my whole premise with setting this stuff up is in advance of something happening to me, well, yes, we are helping the world have an impact and hear our story, yes, but at the same time, you all can have a choice of continuing to make a difference in the world or choosing not to. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm going to be passive aggressive like, oh, you have to work the family business. Well, no. If you look at a lot of cultures and societies, a lot of groups, you know, do that with their families. Mm-hmm. You work the family business until you don't work the family business. Some of them are miserable doing it. But it's like, like where like kind of parent res- that's kind of where like parent resentment comes from for like some people because they're like they're forced to like do something they like they've hated right. for like their entire life and then the moment they like they they turn 18 or the moment they're able to make like they really it really clicks in their head they're like i i don't want to do this anymore i hate you i don't i, yeah. I can't like i can't do anything for you anymore yeah. and they just completely like take their parent out of their life yeah it's been a long time just sitting around thinking about this study and I'm very glad as a family that we're able to share this and bring everyone to where we are. And I know when you do public things or you just, you know, have radio shows and you have a platform, you're supposed to do things in a lot of cases to help others. But sometimes you have to be selfish. Sometimes you have to do things to Help yourself because you can't really help anyone else until you help yourself. You can't become, I can't say to the next level. You can't, you can't be, and elevate is not the right word to look for. You can't be whole until you get healed. And this is a healing process for us on our way to wholeness. And it's a healing process to help us understand that we are whole. And until we speak through our issues and get a better understanding as to what we've been through and realize that we can look back 
over our life, not from a sorrow-filled perspective and an aching in our belly perspective, but we can look back over our life and realize that, you know, when I've been at my most downtrodden, the Lord has been there for us. And, and Psalms 138 and 7 has more, makes more sense when you look back over your life. As though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will never, so you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of our enemies and your right hand will save me. John 14, 1 makes more sense when you can look back over your life and understand that the Lord brought you from discouragement where it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Even John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And we've been through a lot of times of being afraid in our lives. And you know what? There's no need for that anymore. Because all I have to do, all we have to do is use the memory to go back and say, Lord, you brought us out of this, that and the other. You're surely going to bring us out of this, that, and, and then some too, because what's coming is not any worse than what's already been behind us. And even if this is something that could be materially worse in front of us than what's been behind us, we've already got the trust and assurance that God has brought us through that. Surely he's going to bring us through the next thing as well. So remember, if nothing else that you can take away from our story is a message of hope that if the Lord's done it for you once, won't he do it for you again? This is Craig Carlisle, and this has been my family telling our story right here on the Raising Men Show. Look forward to seeing you all next week right here.